Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets mindful. I'm your host, Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I discuss what to do when we don't know what to do. So a lot of what I talk about on Emotional Badass and with my individual clients and in my courses can boil down to how to center and how to ground as highly sensitive people and as survivors on this very chaotic planet. We are prone to overstimulation and panic because of how our systems see the world, feel the world, filter the world. What I see in a lot of survivors and highly sensitive people is what I can describe as a trying to cross bridge seven when you haven't crossed bridge two. And that creates a whole lot of stress. And that creates its own triggered response because you can't cross bridge seven until you've crossed bridges two, three, four, five, and six. Because of what's happening in the world, a lot of us won't have enough information or won't know what to do. So I thought it would be a good time to pull together the things that I functionally do for myself and that I help people learn how to do for themselves into one episode. So here's a list of 11 things, and they're in no particular order. Number one, acknowledge Number one, I acknowledge that most of the time it's super okay to not have the answer right now this minute. This is an important step that's really easy to overlook. Unknown is scary for a lot of us. I did an episode on waiting. And if this resonates with you, you might want to go back and listen to that episode on waiting and your inner child. But we want to have a solution right now because we don't like this space of the unknown. And trying to run away from that space can make us feel really neurotic and spun up and exhausted. So I want to acknowledge that most of the time I want a fast solution, but I don't need a fast solution. Because that pressure is just going to trigger my system more And that's not going to help me get to a grounded or stable place. 
So unless I'm on fire or having a heart attack or about to get hit by a car, it is not an emergency. And we don't need a solution right now. Number two, I sit with it. Now, what does that really mean? We hear people say that a lot. But sitting with something is not the same as stressing on it. Sitting with something creates its own safe container. For a lot of us, we have spent too much time stuck in our heads over processing alone, overthinking and spinning. So sitting is the acknowledgement to my system that I don't have to be in the head and spun up, that I can actually just sit and feel it. Now, that's something that we don't get a whole lot of practice doing. As an American culture, we tend to run from our feelings. That's why we tend to run towards solution or we spin on the problem because we don't really know or cultivate the muscles of just sitting. So sometimes I very much make myself sit my booty in a chair and say out loud, this is okay to sit with. I don't like what's going on or I don't like how I feel and that's okay. What I'm doing there is I'm training my system to be calmer in the face of upset. And that's a really cool thing to practice. Sitting with it has the energy of picking up a rock and turning the rock over to look at all sides. That's a pretty neutral experience or a curious experience. I don't pick the rock up and turn it around and go, oh no, why are you shaped this way, rock? What's gonna happen? I don't stress on it. I just look at it and take it in. To those of us that are healing or trying to calm a nervous system, this is a very powerful exercise to bring into our lives. Number three, and again, these are in no particular order. I sleep on it. Again, this is not the same as stressing on it. This is an HSP truth. This is a survivorship truth. This is true of us that are in recovery, that we can be moody in mind, moody in body. We can be out of whack. And so sleeping on it allows our consciousness and our emotion to cycle or to move through. And we can start to trust in the bigger picture of life that riding the waves of our moods and our energy levels is something that we can do and we benefit from doing. And that we don't have to make big decisions or life moves or strategies. We don't have to decide things at the top of an intensity wave. Whether we're intensely happy And wanting to yes something or intensely sad or down or anxious and want to know something. Sleeping on it can give us the space to make an informed, grounded decision instead of a reaction out of any emotion. Number four, lose it with a timer. Now, what do I mean by that? (laughs) Now, a triggered nervous system does not do the best thinking. So I can take care of my mind and my body by knowing that I can ground. But a lot of us want to ground immediately or, want, or expect to feel centered from doing self-development work. When we get flooded with any emotion, we're learning how to flow with that and allow that to move through us and out, not get stuck. We don't want to smush it or shove it or repress it or squash it. 
So this might sound wild because I think in a lot of mental health and a lot of spiritual work, we might think that we're trying to achieve some sort of baseline neutrality where we don't have high highs or we don't have low lows. And that's just not realistic for a sensitive person. We feel things. We ride those waves. So if we need to lose it, if you need to lose it, if you need to scream into a pillow, if you need to get into your car and scream or play a loud song to just sing to, to get some emotion out, if you need to dance till you're sweaty and exhausted, I want to offer that as an option, there is a permission that you can give yourself to lose it, but with a timer. That might be five minutes. It might be 10 minutes. If it's something really big, it might be half a day. It might be a few days. It might be a few weeks. Then we can get to grounding. We also don't communicate very well when we're triggered. I can make the argument that we don't communicate at all. We might lash out or shut down, but we're not really communicating because we're in a, we're in a state of fight or flight. And that makes us defend or push away. So I can embrace waiting and using that time to reset my system after a good lose-it session. And we don't have to self-flog or punish. I know we like to feel very adult because we've gotten older, but that inner three-year-old is alive and well in all of us. And sometimes we just have to let that part cry or tantrum. And then we get it out of our system and can move on. Number five. Reach out for counseling or coaching to a qualified and insightful person who knows how to get out of the way of their own unresolved stuff to actually give me feedback about me. This is about gathering perspective from trusted people because I want to be able to see the issue from many sides. And what most of us have experienced is that that can be very useful if we're asking people that really get us or it can make it worse. And this is the art form in real time in how to take care of ourselves. If we're still in the beginning stages or middle stages of healing codependency or enmeshment, and we're learning to be independent in thought and in spirit and make the best decisions for ourselves, then we might not know the difference yet between asking for perspective to be more informed and increase understanding of options versus giving our power away. Number six, I note what my gut is experiencing and I note what my heart is experiencing. So what I'm saying is that I check in with my gut and I check in with my heart. And I also note, N-O-T-E, just like you might put a little note or a little post-it in a book, just a little marker, I want to note or mark the trigger I want to note or mark what's unknown, and I want to note or mark what's known. This list is about what we do for ourselves when we don't know what to do. So noting what we know and what we don't know sounds overly simple when I say it out loud, but actually putting pen to paper or typing out a list helps it go from swarming overthinking to something tangible and more manageable listed out on that paper or in a document. I commit over and over and over again to only dealing with what's known. This is the piece of, I've got to deal with this bridge that's right in front of me, not the seventh bridge. 
If you're trying to use your energy right now in this moment to figure out the seventh bridge and we haven't crossed the second, I'm actually distracting myself from the present moment. And that's kind of the truth of overthinking when we don't know what to do. We're trying to think to be able to control some part of the situation. And in the face of the unknown, maybe all we can control is, oh, I can overthink. And maybe that feels more useful or we've had more practice with that dynamic than in sitting with, it's really okay that I don't know yet. I can't know yet. And that's got to be okay. I don't have enough information. We get more present. This is why we have presence and mindfulness. We get present by noting what is and what isn't. And we're practicing learning how to look through a lens, not all the time, but super useful when we get activated in our bodies or in our emotions to be able to cultivate turning on a lens of matter of factness or neutrality or a lens of solution focus. Versus looking at things through a lens of emotion or judgment. There's a wisdom for HSPs to cultivate the ability to see with the emotion lens taken off. Even if only for a few minutes. This helps us to be more balanced with the real world things that we have to handle as adults. And as a way to not always 100% of the time be in our feelings. We really can learn to shift in and out. And that just makes my relationship with my feeling self more grounded more balanced and essentially more useful because it's not limited by just one lens would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about pivotal moments in history if so then try my new podcast calm history It's a time machine of tranquility filled with immersive and fascinating stories from history. Prior episodes include The Pilgrims, Marco Polo, Henry Ford, Joan of Arc, Jackie Robinson, Klondike Gold Rush, Ancient Greek Olympics, Easter Island, and the Great Pyramid of Giza. There's also a six-part series about the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. All right, number seven, I exercise. At a minimum, I want to walk. Now, walking has been studied, okay? Walking is super duper human, right? So when we walk, what we're doing is we're going forward. So if I'm stuck in an emotional problem, there's something that feels really great to my subconscious to just walk. Because maybe I can't go forward with a solution to this problem that's sitting in front of me that I don't know what to do with. But I can walk. I can use my body. I can feel useful. And then endorphins are real. Anxiety is an energy. So we can combat that by giving ourselves a dose of endorphins. The energy of anxiety, it buzzes, it frazzles. We want to move that energy out of our bodies. 
if we don't, this frazzledness sort of jams our thought process or it forces our best thinking through a big fear lens. And that's not the lens I want to look through for clarity before making a decision. I want to consider what's scary, but I don't want fear to cloud the entire picture. Number eight, consider the gray. You hear me mention this a lot. Our psyches yearn for things to be simple. We want it to be black and white, all or nothing. We want it to be simple. You know, if I decide somebody is a bad person, that's really simple. I can kick them all the way out of my life and not really feel bad about it. It's more complicated when it's in the gray. And I believe most of life is in the gray and most of our solutions are in the gray. Sometimes the real final answer is I don't have enough information. And that might be part of helping your system cultivate this in the middleness instead of I have to know something or I don't know something or it's a yes or it's a no. It's like forging a new path or a new hike in the forest or in the mountains. The more that we forge that trail, the easier it is to find, the easier it is to walk through. When we cultivate a lens of in the gray, it helps us find more nuanced solutions that really fit the complexity of our lives and the world. Number nine, I work to embody and internally support the reality that I cannot please all of the people all of the time. Now, what does this mean and why is this on my list of what to do and when I don't know what to do? Because survivors of emotional abuse and highly sensitive people, we are prone to be people pleasers, which functionally means for a lot of us that when a dilemma presents itself, we don't just process it through, what do I need? What does this mean to me? We tend to process it through the effects and the opinions and the judgments on others around us. And that's not black or white either. Independence is not about disregarding everyone else, but it is about giving yourself a chance to come up with what is truly best for your mind, your body, your heart, your spirit, your short-term wellness, your long-term wellness. And if we're people pleasers, the truth of the matter is that the second we hear someone's opinion, we might not know how to hold on to our own and that other opinion can overtake. We also tend to have a lot of fear of judgment. So I think it's an important point to make that it's been an important part of my healing to consider this in the space of, ooh, I don't know what to do, that it has to be okay that I'm not going to please all of the people around me. I'm not going to get agreement as I am facing making a hard decision. And deciding what's best for me is sometimes not what's best for the other person. And that's hard. It's one of the things that we learn how to support ourselves in when we do boundaries work. Because it's less about setting that boundary with another person And more about being able to work through the guilt of being a people pleaser as you start to create healthy boundaries for your life. In pleasing ourselves and choosing ourselves, we are sometimes opening the door where we know others will be angry or upset or feel lonely or left out or will shame us. So I acknowledge how important it is for me to keep these muscles strong 
and that I've got to do what needs doing in this life. And that might mean I gain some haters. And I want to support myself and my inner child in that awareness. Number 10, I give myself permission to take my mind off of it as completely as I can. That might mean taking a break. It might mean creating. I draw. I do little little drawings, little art pieces. A lot of people in this HSP healing community chew problems. It's like they're crunching it in their heads, chewing and chewing and chewing and chewing on it. By taking a break, I acknowledge that my subconscious is working for me constantly. And if I let go of chewing this problem consciously, I really do give my subconscious a chance to process and work its internal psychological magic. We don't have to continue to chew on things in a way that creates our own anxiety or perpetuates panic or brings on a migraine or an upset stomach or a knot in the shoulders and the neck. We don't have to come at problems as if we are a doctor in the ER. Maybe it's something you've noticed either in your past or in your present that when we're highly sensitive and we feel the intensity of a problem, we often run at that problem like we are a doctor working in the emergency room. Like we better act right now to save a life. And I don't know about you, but my life is exciting, but it's not that exciting. Learning how to come to problems with a grounded, cool, calm collectedness is what we can practice to bring more of that cool, calm collectedness into our worlds, not just when everything is swimming in rainbows and bunnies, but when we're faced with a dilemma. So take a break. And maybe I'm the first person that you've ever heard to acknowledge that that's okay. Especially those of us who maybe come from blue collar, pull yourself up by the bootstraps kind of dynamics. We may have learned that it's not okay to take a break that we have to chew it, that being a good person means that you're stressed about it. I'm here to challenge that. Number 11, the final tip. What do I do when I don't know what to do? I have learned and practiced for many, many years, so this is easier said than done, but worth the work, I promise. I give myself grace. I work to trust who I really am because I'm someone who grows myself. And I've learned to trust myself so I can trust who I really am and give myself grace that these things are hard. It's courageous to face things instead of burying my head in the sand. Part of my giving grace process that I've cultivated is that I reflect on the many difficult things that I have figured out over the course of this lifetime. I look at how much I've conquered, how much I've gotten through that I never could have imagined how to overcome or how to figure out. And I ground myself in what can happen if I believe in my capability. That because I'm still here, that is the proof that I have survived every dilemma, every problem, every financial struggle and hurdle, every breakup, every loss, every failure, small and massive. How dare I think that I can't figure out what I'm facing? This is where I give myself grace. I'm hoping that this episode serves you. 
I hope it can be a touchstone that maybe it's something you come back to or you pull up if you're facing a dilemma to help yourself have something to do when we don't know what to do, to have a process that helps us get to a grounded place where we can make informed, courageous, healthy, wise decisions for our lives to the best of our ability. I want to thank our Patreon producers of the show. Let me give you a little quick rundown of what Patreon is. Patreon is a way that creative people get support for their creative endeavors that they're putting out into the world. Our Patreon is what has allowed us to produce meditations. We have a new video meditation. Come find us on YouTube. It will take you to the forest. It made me cry. Chris worked his butt off on it. And I love it. It's beautiful. It's something we've never done before. When you come to Patreon, you get exclusives. You can get behind the scenes stuff. We show you kind of our working process, some of our organizations, some of the maps of where the podcast is around the world, some behind the scenes videos of me and Chris and our pets. We have exclusive episodes that are only released on the Patreon at the $5 level. And by combining $2 and $5 and $10 here and there, we're able to support five other vendors that are supported from our Patreon on this show. If you are interested in supporting our show in helping us grow and helping us produce more videos and in keeping this podcast commercial free, I know that y'all do not want to listen to commercials on this podcast. And I know that all the other podcasts that you love eventually get commercials. We have not done commercials in two years. We certainly have the numbers to be pulling in commercial revenue. We don't want to do that for the spirit of the show. So those of you who come to Patreon, who have disposable income, if you're struggling right now, enjoy the parts of the show that are free and that are for you. That's why we created it. If you have disposable income and you want to support us and support us continuing to be commercial free and that you get some specials and some content that you can't get anywhere else, come find us at patreon.com backslash emotional badass. Most recently in our pay it forward, we give 10% of the Patreon forward. Most recently, we chose National Black Doulas Association. They're doing amazing work. Maybe it's something you've never heard of. We need to spread the word of this. Black and brown women have a five times higher death rate around birth and delivery. So thank you, Patreon people, for supporting us gets me every time y'all and supporting us being able to support other people in the world who are doing amazing things i truly believe highly sensitive people are going to change the world i think we are already let me list out some patrons i want to thank grace k melinda v jordan e julie u and daisy we're trying to hit our next goal we need about 125 more patrons to hit that goal and we've got some really exciting things for you when we do. Thank you so much. I'm an emotional badass. You're an emotional badass. Our patrons are emotional badasses. And together we are where Moxie meets mindful. Light and love. Bye-bye.
Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com.